The International Significance of Bolshevism. Selected reading from the Communist, the former theoretical organ of the Communist Party USA, and the current theoretical organ of the Party of Communists USA. The International Significance of Bolshevism by M. H. C. April 1932. The letter of Comrade Stalin to the magazine Proletarskaya Revolutia on some questions relating to the history of Bolshevism not only exposes the falsifiers of history, the Slutskys, the Volosiviches, the Miranovs, etc., but is of world historical significance. It emphasizes the necessity of Bolshevik vigilance on the theoretical front. It mobilizes the Communist International for a more determined fight against Trotskyism, against Luxembourgism, against right opportunism, as well as against all renegades from Marxism-Leninism. The letter of Comrade Stalin further exposes the rotten liberalism and mistakes on the part of some Bolshevik editors and historians who discuss axioms of Bolshevism that are not debatable. The international character of Comrade Stalin's letter makes it necessary for the Communist Party USA to utilize it for the further Bolshevization of our party. Is it accidental that the enemies of Bolshevism are trying to smuggle in an alien class ideology and utilize the theoretical front in the fight against the party of Lenin, against the Comintern, and against the Soviet Union? Of course not. The Soviet Union is now entering the fourth year of the five-year plan, and it is indisputable that the five-year plan will be completed in four years. The foundation of socialism is being completed. Today, 62% of all the individual peasant holdings are organized into collective farms. This is taking place with a socialist offensive on all fronts. But classes in the Soviet Union are not yet completely liquidated. The class struggle still continues, although the question of, quote, who whom, end quote, within the Soviet Union has already been decided in favor of socialism. The dying capitalist elements, however, are still offering resistance. The class enemy finds new forms of expression, and we see new manifestations of opportunism. In the last few months, right opportunism in practice raised its head in the Grain Trust and the Sugar Trust. During the grain gathering campaign, attempts were made by the opportunists to injure the proletarian state, to fool the party, and to interfere with the general government plan. With all their strength, the party and the masses smashed these manifestations of Kulak ideology as expressed by the opportunists. At the same time, the party had to strike at some quote-unquote left tendencies, which wanted only inflated percentage figures, but neglected the organization and strengthening of the collective farms. Some even wanted to immediately transform the collective farms into Soviet farms. It is clear that such tendencies play into the hand of the class enemy, the Kulaks. The Communist Party of the Soviet Union carries on a struggle on two fronts against any deviation from the line of the Bolshevik Central Committee. This struggle 
is carried on in practical work, as well as on the theoretical front. The two are not and cannot be separated. The right opportunists and the Trotskyites have been smashed and exposed before the great masses. It is therefore difficult for them to come out openly under their own banner. Comrade Kaganovich said, quote, That is why the Trotskyites in particular fulfill the quote, social task end quote, of the counter-revolutionary bourgeoisie, at present coming out against the party in a masked form. End quote. The Trotskyites are attempting to creep in through the quote, gates of the history of our party. End quote. On the international field, the Trotskyites are proving, as Comrade Stalin said, that they are, quote, the vanguard of the counter-revolutionary bourgeoisie, end quote. The capitalist world is confronted with the gravest crisis in history. Only the Soviet Union is going forward in the construction of socialism, improving the conditions of the proletariat and toiling masses. In the Soviet Union, unemployment has been liquidated. The proletariat in the capitalist countries begin to see this contrast more clearly every day. But what do the Trotskyites say? More concretely, what do the American Trotskyites say? Quote, no country that moves actively within the orbit of world economy is immune from the convulsions of the crisis. And, quote, the Soviet Union too, which has not been and cannot be liberated from the pressure of world economy. End quote. Thesis? Militant, July 25th, 1931. Thus we see that the American Trotskyites are doing their share to fulfill the quote social task end quote of the counter-revolutionary bourgeoisie. The 11th plenum of the Executive Committee of the Communist International stated that the greatest contradiction in the world today is quote the antagonism between the system that is building up socialism and the system of decaying capitalism. The antagonisms between the capitalist and socialist systems have never developed with such force, and the advantages of the socialist system over the capitalist system have never been revealed so strikingly as they are now." End quote. Thesis of the 11th Plenum of the Executive Committee of the Communist International. The Trotskyites, however, say, quote, Europe versus America, the central problem of the capitalist world politics, end quote. Thesis, Militant, July 25th, 1931. Why do the Trotskyites place these questions as they do? Because, as the vanguard of the counter-revolutionary bourgeoisie, they must create the theoretical premise for the attack against the Soviet Union. They must disarm the proletariat of the capitalist countries from coming to the defense of their proletarian fatherland. They must minimize the danger of intervention against the Soviet Union. They must help to lay a barrage for the attack of the imperialist bourgeoisie against the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Trotsky is against the Bolshevik policy of a struggle on two fronts. This is connected with his counter-revolutionary theory of Thermidorism and Bonapartism. Quote, The essence of Robespierre policy consisted of an ever greater accentuation of the struggle on two fronts, end quote. He writes, The Trotskyites oppose a systematic struggle on two fronts, claiming that a struggle on two fronts, quote, is an innate feature of a petty bourgeois policy, end quote. 
why is Trotsky interested in showing, quote, a similarity with Robespierre, end quote? Because he accuses the dictatorship of the proletariat of being in a stage of centrism, and the party leadership as pursuing a centrist bourgeois policy. He, Trotsky, is attempting in his slanderous way to pose as the real revolutionist, and that Trotskyism is a wing of the communist movement, instead of being the vanguard of the counter-revolutionary bourgeoisie. Centrism was a social phenomenon in a party not homogenous, not monolithic. This was the case in the parties of the Second International, where the centrist leadership tried to reconcile the interests of two classes, the proletariat and the petty bourgeoisie. There, centrism had a social base. The Communist Party, however, is the class party of the proletariat, which in struggle has separated itself from opportunism. The struggle of the Communist Party on two fronts against all deviations from Marxism-Leninism is against all petty bourgeois influences, as expressed in the right and quote-unquote left deviations. The semi-Trotskyites opened the gates for the enemy. Slutsky's slander that Bolshevism did not sufficiently struggle against opportunism and centrism in the Second International is in line with the present counter-revolutionary theory of Trotskyism. It is clear, therefore, that we cannot consider Trotskyism as a current, not even a wrong current, within the movement of the working class. Trotskyism cannot be looked upon as a fraction of communism. It is the vanguard of the counter-revolutionary bourgeoisie. In its attitude and relation to the October Revolution, the Bolshevik Party and the Soviet Union, Trotskyism shows on what side of the barricades it stands. For the international proletariat, the October Revolution is the beginning of the World Revolution. Support of the Soviet Union means the construction of socialism. Only the Soviet Union, headed by the Bolshevik Party, is the leader of the World Revolution. Against this, we see a united front, from the Trotskyites to the extreme reactionaries. Slutsky's theories as well as the theories of the other smugglers and falsifiers of the history of Bolshevism, leads to a whole line of struggle against Leninism. No liberalism must be shown to these slanders of Lenin and the Bolshevik party. Who does not know that Bolshevism spread and grew strong in a struggle against the populists, the social revolutionaries, legal Marxists, economists, Mensheviks, liquidators, centrists against the quote-unquote left within the ranks of the Bolsheviks, recallists, vanguardists, against conciliators, right deviationists, and counter-revolutionary Trotskyism. Yet, instead of an open fight against the ideas of the Slutskys, some Bolsheviks began a quote-unquote scientific discussion whether Lenin was a Bolshevik or not, and whether Trotsky quote-unquote rearmed Bolshevism in 1917. Comrade Stalin unmasked these smugglers and some quote-unquote liberal Bolsheviks who supplied ammunition to these enemies of the party. The theory of Comrade Mintz, counterposing quote-unquote objectivity to quote-unquote political advisability, in an attempt to shield some errors contained in the collective volumes under the editorship of Comrade Yaroslavsky, in which he also participated, is a non-Marxist, 
non-Leninist conception. It distorts the scientific nature of history. It forgets that historical materialism is the only objective theory of social development. This conception of myths helps the Trotskyite smugglers and vilifiers of Bolshevism, who utilized this quote-unquote political advisability to smuggle in Trotskyite ideas and distort the history of the party. It is an attempt to separate theory from practice. The Trotskyite theories of Schlutsky attempt to show that Leninism is a quote, national expression, end quote, an expression of Russian backwardness, etc. Who does not recall the cry of the Second International and the Mensheviks to quote-unquote westernize the Russian labor movement? The American Trotskyites also speak of quote-unquote national socialism when referring to the Soviet Union. When the October Revolution was victorious, the opportunists throughout the world cried out against it. Morris Hilquit echoed the words of Karl Kautsky, quote, According to all accepted Marxian tests, Russia was entirely unprepared for a socialist revolution, end quote. Morse Hilquit, from Marx to Lenin, page 19. Quote, so long as the Russian Revolution was viewed as an integral part of a general worldwide rising of the working class, it was possible to bring it within the accepted Marxian concept, but as an isolated event, it calls for a new and different theoretical foundation, end quote. Morse Hilquit, from Marx to Lenin, page 119. Hilquit also tried to set limits upon the October Revolution, to put national limits upon it, to make Bolshevism a, quote, isolated event, end quote. The proletariat of the imperialist countries, as well as the proletariat and oppressed toiling masses of the semi-colonial and colonial countries, know differently. They feel the influence and power of the Bolshevik Revolution. More than that, they view the October Bolshevik Revolution not only as a, quote, part of a general worldwide rising, end quote, but as the leader in this world October. Hilquit was not alone. O'Neill, the red baiter, foamed at the mouth and cried, quote, Russian economic and bureaucratic history weighs like a mountain upon the minds of communists. They cannot shake it off. They think in terms of this history. They see the rest of the world through it. And everything else assumes the character, dimensions, coloring, and importance of an experience that is Russian. End quote. O'Neill, American Communism, page 229 to 230. Other voices have joined the chorus of the Hillquits, the O'Neills, the Thomases, the Mustys, etc. The falsettos of the Renegades. Canon and Lovestone is in harmony with the Hillquits and the bourgeoisie in spite of their masks. The international significance of Leninism, the experiences of the victorious proletarian revolution, is of vital importance for the communist parties in all the capitalist countries. Comrade Stalin placed this question quite clearly when he wrote, quote, Leninism is the Marxism of the epoch of imperialism and of the proletarian revolution. To be more precise, Leninism is the theory and tactic of the proletarian revolution in general, and the theory and tactic of the dictatorship of the proletariat in particular." End quote. Stalin, Problems of Leninism, page 13. And, quote, Leninism is an international phenomena, 
It is rooted in internationalism, and it is not solely Russian. End quote. Stalin, Foundations of Leninism, page 79. This is an answer to the slanderers of Bolshevism, to those who want to throw doubt upon the internationalism of the Bolsheviks. Let us take some of the major problems that were raised by Lenin and the Bolsheviks. Can they be considered only problems of the Russian Revolution? What problems did the Bolsheviks bring to the forefront? The question of the party, the attitude of Marxists to the bourgeois democratic revolution, the alliance between the proletariat and the peasantry, the hegemony of the proletariat, of the struggle inside and outside parliament, the general strike, of the bourgeois democratic revolution growing into the socialist revolution, the dictatorship of the proletariat, imperialism, liberation movements in the colonies, self-determination of nations, etc. These are not merely Russian problems, but international problems. Where does world Bolshevism come from? And who prepared the basis for the Communist International? This is linked up with the question as to when the Bolsheviks stepped on the international arena. Here, we must not use the methods of the quote, archive rats, end quote, when they point to an amendment that Lenin made to a resolution of Bevel at some international congress, etc., and use this as a date, or of slanderers who want to minimize Lenin's struggle against opportunism before the war claiming they cannot find enough documents, etc. As Comrade Stalin said in answer to these, we don't judge the actions of Lenin and the Bolsheviks by documents, but by deeds. As to documents, if one does not want to falsify, there are plenty to prove the struggle of the Bolsheviks against opportunism in the Second International. Already in 1901-1902, in the magazine Dawn, Lenin characterized Kowski's position on Bernstein and Millerand as a, quote, rubber position, a wavering position, etc. Long before the war, the Bolsheviks raised fundamental problems, which are today the cornerstone, the roots of the Communist International. This, together with uncompromising struggle against opportunism and centrism in Russia and in the Second International, won for the Bolsheviks the role of leader of the international proletariat. Radek once raised the question that the left radicals, under the leadership of Luxembourg, prepared the basis for the communist international, that they were the leaders of the international movement before the war. Such a conception distorts the role of the Bolsheviks on the international arena. Radek's mistaken position was the following. Germany was faced with a proletarian revolution, while Russia, according to him, had before it the task of a bourgeois democratic revolution. Only after the war did conditions change and also the character of the revolution in Russia. This, of course, changed the role of the Bolsheviks in the international. Where does such a conception lead to? It leads to a minimization of the international revolutionary character of Bolshevism. Like Trotsky, it attempts to put narrow national limits on Bolshevism. Miranov, a semi-Trotskyite smuggler, who distorted the history of Bolshevism, also places the question in a similar manner. This ignoramus slanders Lenin when he writes that prior to the war, Lenin did not criticize Karl Kautsky. What reasons or facts does this quote-unquote historian give? Russia, he claims, was faced with a bourgeois democratic revolution, 
and Kautsky was also in favor of a bourgeois democratic revolution. Thus, this anti-party quote-unquote historian wants to turn Lenin into a common bourgeois radical who had no disagreements with Kautsky on one of the most cardinal points of Leninism, to create the impression that Lenin did not place the problem of the growing over of the bourgeois democratic revolution into a socialist one until 1917, when Trotsky quote-unquote rearmed Bolshevism. It is against such quote, Philistines and degenerates, end quote, that Comrade Stalin's letter mobilizes the whole Comintern. It shows to what extent rotten liberalism had its influence, even among certain people within the party, in allowing such anti-party writings to pose as quote-unquote history for a number of years. In the collective work, The History of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, under the editorship of Comrade Yaroslavsky, Many vital questions of a principal and historical character are treated in a Trotskyite manner, and semi-Trotskyites utilized these pages to smuggle in their system of anti-Bolshevik ideas. The falsifiers of the history of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union want to create the impression that Lenin had two plans, that is, one in 1905, when the Bolsheviks were supposed to have thought only of a bourgeois democratic revolution, and another plan in 1917, after Trotsky had quote-unquote rearmed Bolshevism. One so-called historian by the name of S. Pokrovsky, who is really a falsifier, writes in his book, The Theory of the Proletarian Revolution, the following, quote, Lenin, in this sense, agreed with the Mensheviks that only a revolution in the West would give the possibility to the Russian proletariat to capture power and establish its own socialist dictatorship. In 1917, the question of perspectives of growing over was put differently by Lenin." End quote. Thanks to rotten liberalism and a lack of Bolshevik vigilance, such forgers had the insolence to attempt to change Lenin into a Menshevik. How did Lenin place this problem? Not in 1917, but in 1905. He wrote, quote, as far as lies within our power, within the power of the class-conscious and organized proletariat, we shall at once begin to move on from the democratic revolution to the socialist revolution. We are for continuous revolution. We shall not be content with half-measures. Without lapsing into adventurism, without being untrue to our scientific conscience, without seeking for cheap popularity, we can say and we do say only one thing. With all our strength, we shall help the entire peasantry to make a democratic revolution, that it may be easier for us, the party of the proletariat, to pass on as speedily as possible to a new and higher task, to the socialist revolution." End quote. Lenin, Volume 6, pages 447 to 450. The question of the theory of the growing over of the bourgeois democratic revolution into a socialist revolution is very important at the present moment. It is of decisive significance for many parties in the Communist International in their struggle for the proletarian revolution. The distortion of this theory is connected with denial of the socialist nature of the October Revolution. Such distortions lead to the denial of the possibility of building socialism in the Soviet Union with the international strength of the country. It denies the possibility of the proletariat leading the toiling masses on the road to socialist reconstruction. Comrade Stalin, 
already in 1924, exposed the attempts to revise the theories of Leninism on this important question. It is therefore clear to anyone acquainted with the facts of history that the Bolsheviks were the only consistent Marxists in the international labor movement. They were the only ones that could prepare the base for the Third Communist International. The left German Social Democrats were not Bolsheviks. They were also vacillating between Bolshevism and Menshevism. Any attempt to place Luxembourgism on an equal footing with Bolshevism will injure the Bolshevization of the various sections of the Comintern. The wrong theories of Luxembourg and the left radicals must not be covered up, but must be exposed and rooted out. Wherever remnants of Luxembourgism still have influence, it is more difficult to struggle against social fascism. The renegades, Brandler and Talheimer, attempt to compare Luxembourgism to Bolshevism. In fact, they speak of Luxembourgism as, quote, German Bolshevism, end quote. The quote-unquote left, German social fascists, Rosenfeld and Sedewitz, carry on a struggle against Bolshevism under the mask of Luxembourgism, and in this manner, try to hold the social democratic workers in the camp of the bourgeoisie and prevent them from going over to the communists. Lenin and the Bolsheviks did not always support the left radicals, including Rosa Luxemburg, because of differences on some of the most basic questions. For example, Luxemburg's theory of accumulation leads to the harmful theory of the automatic collapse of capitalism. Even when the German left social democrats under the influence of the Russian Revolution of 1905, accepted the general strike as a decisive weapon in political struggle, they did not develop it to the logical conclusion, the armed uprising which flows from this as pointed out by Lenin. Luxembourg also had a wrong theory about imperialism. She and her group did not understand the importance of the colonial liberation movement in relation to the proletarian revolution. Luxembourg and the other left radicals had a wrong conception of the national question and opposed the right of self-determination of nations. The failure to see the peasant question and allies for the proletariat is connected up with the mistaken theory of the permanent revolution, which she held. Luxembourg was a believer in the theory of spontaneity and came out in support of the Mensheviks as against Lenin on the question of a well-organized, centralized, and disciplined party. The left radicals, under Rosa Luxemburg, were a very unstable and vacillating opposition in the pre-war Second International. They were not organized, they feared a split with the centrists and other opportunists, and made a fetish of quote-unquote unity. Luxemburg, while opposing the imperialist war, did not come out decisively against Kautsky. In his criticism of the Junius pamphlet, Lenin reviews the mistakes of Luxembourg on the question of imperialist war, etc. Even in later years, Rosa Luxemburg had some wrong conceptions on the problems of the October Revolution in Russia, on the Constituent Assembly, National Question, Free Press, Franchise, etc. It is true that before her murder by the Social Democratic hangman, she recognized some of her errors on the October Revolution. Nevertheless, the Mensheviks and other enemies of the Soviet Union utilized these for a struggle against communism. 
Let us take another group of the left radicals in the pre-war days. The Bulgarian Tesniaks, or the Narrow Party, as they were called. The Tesniaks were among the best of the lefts that fought opportunism, but in no way can they be considered Bolsheviks. They did not understand the dictatorship of the proletariat, the hegemony of the proletariat, the peasant question, and the meaning of a well-organized, disciplined party. Although the Tesniaks were against the imperialist war, they had no conception of Lenin's slogan of turning the imperialist war into a civil war. The failure to understand the peasant question proved especially fatal to the Bulgarian Communist Party during the events in that country in 1923. It is obvious that only Lenin and the Bolsheviks could take the lead in the organization of the Communist International. Who does not remember the vacillations of the lefts at Zimmerwald and Keenthal, and even at the first Congress of the Comintern? We must therefore emphasize once more that Lenin, the Bolsheviks, always struggled against opportunism and centrism in Russia and in the Second International. That Lenin, besides working out the basic theories of Bolshevism as an international movement, wrote a great deal on the labor movement of England, France, Germany, etc. The international proletariat knows that the October Revolution was victorious under the leadership of the Leninist Bolshevik Party, that the Soviet Union is the leader in the World October. The Lovestoneites and the Trotskyites have put forth the slogan of the quote, internationalization of the Comintern, end quote. What is the essence of this slogan? This is an attempt to minimize the international character of Leninism, of Bolshevism. It is an attempt to divorce the Comintern from the leading party, its strongest nucleus, the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, and the leader of the international proletariat, Comrade Joseph Stalin. It is an attack against the Soviet Union. We must expose the renegade Brandlerites and Lovestoneites who attempt to put claims as quote-unquote inheritors of Bolshevism. Brandler uses the name quote-unquote Spartacus to further his work in the interests of the bourgeoisie. J. Lovestone has the insolence to utilize the name quote-unquote majority group, which, if translated into Russian, means Bolshevik. The revolutionary workers know these lickspittles of the bourgeoisie by their real names, and no amount of masquerading will help them to hide their strike-breaking role. Musty also wants a quote-unquote new party, a party quote-unquote free from Moscow, a party that will be free from Bolshevism and hold the workers in the camp of the bourgeoisie, or as he says, quote, Communist Party in the United States today suffers from a mechanical dictation from outside, which severely handicaps in its dealing with the American situation. Its roots are not primarily in the American soil, end quote. On political organization, A.J. Musty, Labor Age, August 1931. This language is not as quote-unquote theoretical as the German quote-unquote left social fascists, but the essence of the betrayal of the working class to the bourgeoisie is very clear. The Lovestones and Canons, in their fight against the Communist International, against Bolshevism, and against the Soviet Union, will cover this betrayal with a quote-unquote theoretical dress. They will use other demagogy, but in reality, 
they will not change the substance. Musty even quotes Trotsky on the definition of a party. Let us listen to Musty further. Quote, We want American labor to be realistic. Or further, We must start with the conditions which he faces here in Chicago, Pittsburgh, Seattle, not the conditions somebody else faces in London, Berlin, or Moscow. We mean that the American labor movement must take its orders from American workers. End quote. And again, quote, Nobody else can do the job here any more than we can do the job somewhere else, end quote. Quote, we believe that labor must use the methods which suit the occasion and not marry itself to a dream or a formula as to how it must gain its ends, end quote. The CPLA by A.J. Musty, Labor Age, December 1931. Lovestone's theory of quote-unquote American exceptionalism, and by the way Trotsky's theories of quote, American placing Europe on rations, end quote, which is the same thing, agrees with Musty's conceptions of an exceptional party which will work out. Quote, the problem of method in achieving social change in nations where political democracy has been achieved, as contrasted with nations like Tsarist Russia in an earlier period of political evolution. End quote. A.J. Musty, Labor Age, April 1931. Very familiar talk. This is the international vocabulary of social fascism of counter-revolutionary Trotskyism, of all the renegades who are fighting Bolshevism, who want to put national limits on Bolshevism. We must not make the mistake of considering any quote-unquote left social fascist party as a group between Leninism and opportunism. Such a group is nothing but a social fascist group, and even more dangerous because of its quote-unquote left phraseology. There is only one party that can lead the proletariat to victory. And that is the Communist Party, Bolshevized and armed with the international theory of Leninism. Comrade Stalin's letter must be a means for the further Bolshevization of the Communist Party of the United States of America. We must overcome this underestimation of theory, which is characteristic of the American labor movement. We must, as much as possible, struggle against such moods in our party. We must struggle against the remnants of IWWism, De Leonism, and Luxembourgism. One need but to recall our attitude on the national question up to a few years ago, to see the influence of Luxembourgism in our party. We have a great advantage in that we have the great weapon of Marxism-Leninism. Our task must be to master this theory, taking this theory to the broad masses. One of the greatest tests which will prove whether we understand the dialectical connection between theory and practice is to examine how far we have put into life the decisions of the Communist International, the decisions of our Central Committee. We must carry on an uncompromising struggle against all deviations from the line of Leninism. By turning our party into a party rooted in the factories, we will have shown the power of Leninism as an international theory and movement, and show that we are learning from the valuable and heroic history of the Bolshevik Communist Party of the Soviet Union. Comrade Stalin's letter should mean for us more vigilance and a greater checkup in our press and literature to guard against the creeping in of an ideology alien to Bolshevism. 
Thank you for listening to this reading from the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. Support us at newoutlookpublishers.net, join us on Discord, follow us on Twitter, and visit peopleschool.org to sign up for free classes.